Well, good morning. As we are now meeting in our field every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., we aren't going to continue posting a full online service, but we are going to continue to post uh, the Bible studies from Sunday mornings uh, pre-recorded. So I'm going to be preaching from the same notes uh, as I will live and in person in our field on Sunday mornings. And I suppose if you had the time and you were at our church in the field service, you could compare notes and uh, see how different uh, I am speaking earlier in the week versus speaking later in the week. If you have a Bible, turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. We are taking a pause this morning from our study of the gospel of Mark. We'll be back in Mark's gospel next week. But we're taking a pause this week uh, to reflect and refocus. We have not had public services together since March, and it seemed like this was a good opportunity to reflect and refocus on the core things that God has called us to. The big idea this morning is to be devoted, to be devoted, to be devoted to God and to one another. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42, says they, this is speaking of the very first Christians, the first church to ever gather in the city of Jerusalem, just a few weeks after Jesus' resurrection from the dead. It says in chapter 2, verse 42 of the book of Acts, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is God's word. Be devoted to one another. First, as we want to reflect and refocus, I want to reflect. Since March, we have been 100% online. Every Sunday morning, we have posted a full church service with worship through prayer and song and giving and the word of God. We've continued to study God's word together. We've continued to gather together through different opportunities, Zoom meetings, um, uh, different online uh, ways of connecting. And we've increased the amount of Bible study uh, through things like the 20-minute Bible study podcast, uh, the fireside chats that we were doing. We are still ministering to you to each other and to our community here at Faith on Hill. Uh, one question that has been asked quite a bit is, how is the church doing financially? And I'd say this, uh, the finances are stable. We are not a rich church, but we uh, have been able to pay all the bills. And compared to where we were when I came here, uh, 2017. In fact, this Sunday uh, begins our fourth year of ministry here at Faith on Hill, and uh, the finances are actually, there's more money in the bank right now than there was uh, 
July of 2017. So our finances are stable. Does that mean that, that uh, everything's good and, and we have no financial concerns? Of course not. Uh, we have some projects that we need to do. We're going to need to spend some money uh, to repair the retaining wall. We're going to need to spend some money uh, for facility uh, maintenance and upkeep. So there are things uh, that we, we recognize uh, we're thankful to the Lord and to, to you uh, that the finances are in as good a shape as they are, but we're also uh, realistic about uh, the future situation. And we are choosing to stay connected. Um, I'll tell you again, and I know I've said this before, but I have been so blessed and encouraged when I talk to somebody and they say, oh, I got a call. I got a card, I got a letter, uh, somebody came and dropped off some flowers, that we have been checking in on each other. Um, I've been so blessed when I hear those kind of stories, and the fact that we are choosing as a church family to stay connected with each other. So I can look back on the last few months and see some very positive things. Just like the original Christians, what did they do? They devoted themselves. The first, they devoted themselves to God. They got in the Bible. They got in God's word. They devoted themselves to teaching, to the breaking of bread and prayer, which would have been communion and prayer. They're worshiping God. Um, we know all through the New Testament that song was also a part of things. And so they were devoting themselves to God's service. We know that they were preaching the gospel, that they were doing the work that God had called them to do, but they also were devoted to each other. Fellowship. Yeah, that word fellowship, that connection. Uh, if, you, if you're a fan of the Lord of the Rings, you know, the first movie is the fellowship of the ring. These travelers that set out together on a common cause, a common mission. They had all things in common. So we have been devoted to God and to each other in this last season, yet we recognize that there are uncertain seas ahead. We've weathered the storm, but we can look ahead and we can say, you know what? We aren't certain what's going to happen. Here's what I am certain about. I am certain about Jesus. If you think about these first Christians, if you think about these first Christians, they were in a moment of glory. Jesus has just risen from the dead. The Holy Spirit descended on them in that upper room. And after the Holy Spirit descended, they preached the gospel. And thousands of people in one day gave their lives to Jesus. And the church was birthed. There was a great spirit of unity and common purpose. And yet what happened shortly thereafter? Persecution happened. There was conflict and division within the church. There was persecution from outside the church. We don't know what's happening next, but we know in whom we have believed. I can't be certain about what the future holds for us, but I can be certain in the God that we serve. Jesus has never stopped being our Lord. He has never stopped being in control. I'm certain about Jesus. I know this too. We're weathering the storm. There are uncertain seas ahead. And in that uncertainty, we are better 
together. Now, that's what the first Christians believed too. They were connected. They had all things in common. They met from house to house. They, they, it wasn't just meeting on Sunday morning. There's been this, there has been this focus of some Christians, and I understand it, but some parts of the church have had an almost laser-guided focus on Sunday mornings. All they have seemed to care about in their conversation and what they've posted online is getting back into the church building on Sunday mornings. But we don't see that with these first Christians. They met together on Sundays in the temple courts. And the reason they would have done that is because it was the biggest uh, place a public crowd of that size could gather. Makes sense. But they also met from house to house. Now, that is a tricky thing in a time of pandemic. The, the original Christians were not meeting in a time of plague. I understand that. So we have to figure some things out with that. But to understand that for Jesus' followers, Sunday morning is our main meeting, but it is not the be-all and end-all. There are many, many Christians, many, many Christians who gather on Sunday mornings, or at least some Sunday mornings, and then they have no connection with the church of Jesus outside of that hour to two hours, once, twice a month. It says here that daily they were gathering. Daily they were connected. They had all things in common. I've talked to people who they don't want to go to a church in their community because they don't want to have to talk to people they'd actually know. That is the antithesis of the model that we are given for how Christians should act and live. Now, again, I said we are better together. And I think, I think that if I, when I preach this on Sunday morning, I think I'm going to get some amens there. I think I'll get some head nodding. I think I'll get some agreement. But what does that actually mean? We are better together. What does it mean if we are limited in how we can gather? What does it mean if we come to a place where we are unable to meet together publicly face-to-face -face once again? We are better together. The first thing, and, and if there has been a common thread to what we have been talking about on Sunday mornings, it's this idea. I am better together with Christ's family. I am better together with the church. And that's been a common thread the last several weeks. To recognize that can a Christian be saved? Can you go to heaven and not go to church? Yes. But am, am I better off? Can I love God and worship him out in nature or on a hiking trail or in my own living room reading my Bible and singing some worship songs? Yes. But am I better, to, am I better off? Am I in a better situation? I believe the answer is no. I am better with Christ's family. Now, here's the thing about families. Here's the thing about families. Sometimes you love your family, but you don't necessarily like your family. Sometimes you've got that, that Uncle Cecil 
that, that Aunt Marie, who, who are just... Angie, my wife, says that I always uh, use Uncle Steve and Aunt Ruth. That's, that's my go-to. So I tried Uncle Cecil and Aunt Marie, something different. But the, the idea is sometimes there's people you're with and you're like, I have to see them? I don't know. But I am better with and connected to the most obnoxious and annoying member of Jesus' family than I am without them. I believe that. I believe that for our church family. I believe that for our family relating to other churches. Let me tell you, sometimes I go to the Wednesday morning pastor's prayer where the pastors of this area get together and pray together. And some of those guys are annoying. And I guarantee that some of them think that I'm annoying. Some of them don't like me. And I think that they're crazy, you know, but I'm better with them. I make the choice to connect because I feel that I am better with them. So the first thing I want to recognize is this, just like the first Christians recognized that they were better together. And if you've read the book of Acts, you know that the first Christian church was a mixed church, that, that even though it was primarily Jewish, they were Jews from all over because there were Jews from all over who had come to Jerusalem for the feasts. So there were Jews from North Africa, and there were Jews from Southern Europe, and there were Jews from what was then, you know, we would call it Iran or Iraq, from Persia, from the, the Near East, from Syria, from north into the Balkans. There were Jews from Ethiopia and parts of that Eastern African Cape. Old and young, urban and rural, European, African, Central Asian. And they were everywhere together finding unity because Jesus was what brought them together. The next thing to point out, though, is Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. That was easy in that moment. It was the natural thing in that moment. But then we keep reading And we keep looking through the New Testament and we read about the problems that were going on in the Corinth church. And we read about the the issues that uh, the Apostle John had to write about in 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. There were problems that had to be worked through. But they made the choice to stay together. One of the things that's really, really struck me is in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, what we call the book of 1st Corinthians, that there's a part in that book where he's, he wrote a letter to this church and they were fighting. They were disagreeing. There was division. And yet they still came together. And even though that, imagine our, our church fellowship hall and all the tables are set up and they're all sitting at different tables. And there's one table with one group and another table with another group. And they're not talking to each other, but they still chose to be there together. They had the chance to work through their disagreements because they had made the choice to be together. They hadn't checked out. They hadn't stayed home. That's really struck me because I think our tendency is to stay home, to check out. I don't like those guys, so I'm not going to be there. I don't like those guys, so I have a problem with them, so I'm not going to do the hard work of working through that problem. I'm just going to check out. But they, these guys made the choice. And there are moments when it's easy. 
There are moments when being all we're better together has been easier than in this moment. It's harder to connect right now because we can't just be together like we would naturally be. We've had to be intentional. We have to learn new things. In this season, an uncertain future, what are we going to choose to do? It's not going to be easy to be better together, but it will be the better thing. It'll be the thing that's the best for us. I have some questions I want to throw out. I think these are questions that are being asked, and I think these are questions that this speaks to. Question, when are we going back to normal? That's a question that's been asked quite a bit. Take the word normal and throw it away. Now, I I have looked into, you know, what's a plausible timeline? What's a plausible timeline for everything going back to normal? It's not until we have a vaccine. That's a while away. But even when the time comes that there is widespread vaccination and COVID is no longer a a threat in the way it is currently, normal isn't something we necessarily want to go back to. Normal, when you, before we were Christians, before you gave your life to Jesus, before you had your sins forgiven, normal for you was horrible. Normal for me was horrible. Think about how you were before Jesus got a hold of your heart. Was that good? Was was substance abuse good? Was hopelessness good? good? Was broken relationships good? But that was normal. And, and even if you are a Christian and you've, you've placed your faith in Jesus, but then God does a work of grace in your life and he does a cleansing work and you think, man, you know what? Yes, I was a Christian. I fully believe I was going to heaven, but I harbored bitterness. Yes, I was a Christian. I fully believe I was going saved, but I I didn't want anybody seeing my search results, you know. My search history was a, it was a dark place. And then God did a cleansing work in my life, a delivering work. Normal wasn't good. I needed something different. This idea of going back to normal is something we should totally remove. Normal wasn't working. I know that our church has been through a crazy couple years. You know, this Sunday is is the beginning of my fourth year here, and I know what we've been through, but normal wasn't working for us. Faith on Hill had, had been declining for 10 years before I got here, and by God's grace, he is refashioning us for another season of ministry. Normal wasn't working. It's time for something new. I'm looking forward to the new thing God is doing. And it's scary, and it's uncomfortable, and I would prefer to go back to some level of comfort, but that's not what God seems to be doing right now. Next question, what happens if things shut down again? And we're seeing that, right, in other parts of the country that that opened up, and now they're shutting back down. I'm hopeful that we won't have to go to a full shutdown again. I, I am hoping that because Oregon shut down earlier and opened up later, that we can stay at least in a phase one level, if not a phase two level, but it might happen. 
we still have all of the ability to be 100% online. And if that happened, that's what we would go back to doing. But the question is, how do I need to grow in this season? What happens? There's no going back to normal. Normal wasn't working. And, and we're not going back to normal anytime soon. And things may shut down again. So what do I need to grow in? Many of us in this church are educators. And you had to grow this year. Uh, teachers had to learn, how do I take what I was doing in the classroom and effectively, or at least something close to that, do it online? We're all having to learn new skills. Different people had, uh, had to change what they did, and how do I effectively do that now? What new skills, what do I have to grow in this season? Maybe for some of us, it is technology. That for the last three months, you could kind of say, uh, you know, I don't, I don't do computers. I don't, I don't like that kind of thing because you, you thought it was short term. But what if we're a year or two away from a vaccine being widespread? And this is our normal for the next season. What if the thing God wants you to grow in is your use of technology? Maybe for someone else, you know, it, it's this uh, connection. I was fringe before. I wasn't the most connected person. And God's saying, I want you to be connected. We're better together. The seas are rough. The seas are uncertain. But here's the boat, and I want you in it. I don't know what new skill uh, God wants to develop in your life. That's between you and the Lord. I, I mean, I know I've learned some new things. You know, I mean, there's skills, right? Like, I've learned about lighting for video. I've learned about video editing. I've, I've had to learn a bunch of new skills um, to, to do online church. And those are, I'm thankful for that. But those are just something I know how to do. I think the deeper thing, when I'm saying, what's the new thing that God wants us to grow in? The deeper thing for me was humility. I need the humility to change what I do, change my workflow. How do I, how do I grow? Um, and the skills are how I accomplish that, but I'm talking about the deeper heart issue. How do I get myself to a place where I am embracing the new skills I have to learn? How can we grow in this season? I, I don't know who put this together. I found this... Uh, online and and it was a good concise way of explaining the one another passages of the new testament that there are uh, about a hundred times where the where the new testament uses the greek word uh, alion which is what we translate as one another or each other and about 59 of those times is a command love one another be devoted to one another. Live in harmony with one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Build up one another. Be like-minded towards one another. Accept one another. Admonish one another. And that word admonish is an older word, but it, you could translate it instruct one another. Greet one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Forgive one another. Be patient with one another. Speak the truth in love. 
Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Submit to one another. We don't like that one. Consider others better than yourself. Look to the interest of one another. Bear with one another. Teach one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Stir up. Provoke. Stimulate one another to love and good works. Show hospitality to one another. Employ the gifts that God has given you for the benefit of one another. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Pray for one another. Confess your faults to one another. There's also some what they might call negative commands. These are things of what not to do. Don't lie to one another. Stop passing judgment on one another. If you keep biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking, or envying each other. Do not slander one another. Do not grumble against each other. Romans 12 and Ephesians 4 both tell us that we are members of one another. We are connected. That when I see you, when you see me, that we are all one in Christ. So when I think about what's a skill I need to learn, it's not just how can I grow myself, but if I can grow in maturity, in depth, in humility, in holiness, in victory, in grace, in love, in peace, in mercy. If I can grow in those things, then it will be for your blessing. And as you grow in those things, it will be for the blessing of everyone around you. You know, uh, Dave Centers has been uh, great at explaining the mask thing. You know, my mask protects you, your mask protects me. My growth, my maturing in Christ blesses you. Your growth, your maturing in Christ blesses me. How can we pray for each other? What can we pray for? Let me say this. Last week I mentioned, you might remember, that oftentimes we pray, Lord, bless me, Lord, prosper me. We don't often pray, Lord, humble me. But how can we pray? You know, one of the things that I've been really burdened by as I have considered this passage is the last verse. And the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. And before that, it says praising God and enjoying favor of all the people. Over the last several years that I've been the pastor here, there have been all kinds of complaints. And that happens. Like, I don't, I don't begrudge somebody complaining about something. Music's too loud, music's too quiet. Flags on the stage, no flags on the stage, whatever. But I'll tell you something that I would love to hear a complaint about. We aren't seeing enough people saved. Now, we have seen people respond to faith in Jesus through the ministry of this church, and I'm thankful for that. But that's something that should burden us. How can you pray? Maybe the prayers shouldn't be so much, Lord, deliver us from this vaccine, as Lord, deliver our neighbors and our family and our friends from the the curse, the disease of sin and death. 
Maybe instead of, Lord, make us right, it's, Lord, help us to have favor with our neighbors so that we can show them the love of God. What can we pray for? Lord, help me to be more connected because I will be better as I'm more connected and my, my church family will be better as I'm more connected. Those are things we can pray for. The obvious things might be, oh, pray that, you know, Pray that the finances stay strong. Pray that we can do this thing or that thing. Pray that it doesn't rain on Sundays so we can have church in the field. Those things are all fine. Pray for those things. But the deeper things are pray that our love increases. Pray that hearts would be open and they would be added to the number of those being saved. Pray that we could have a breakthrough in the ministry that we have in this community. Those are the better things. So as we return, I think it's a, a goal to reconnect, to recommit, that God has called Faith on Hill to be a church in this neighborhood, in this community, for Milwaukee, for Gladstone, and for Oak Grove. How can we be here and be the church Jesus wants us to be on his mission, to be a witness of Jesus and to make disciples of Jesus, to be a fun place, to be a safe place, and to be a Jesus place. Lord, make that so. I want to say thank you uh, for being with us this morning. Uh, as always, we invite you to connect with us online. Uh, faithonhill.com, at faithonhill on all social media. We continue to trust God in these days to be devoted to God because he has not changed and to be devoted to one another because we are the people of Jesus together.